0: very first thing I want to um, have you get down in the depth of your being, and it's going to take time, it's going to take meditation, it's going to take pondering, it's going to take a try to keep reminding yourself of this, um, is that God has a very, very high view of parenting. Um, so let me just jump right in. What do I mean by a high view of parenting? I mean parenting as seen in the context of the gospel, right? If we see parenting as a social construct or a natural phenomenon, we are greatly handicapping ourselves. It's not a social construct. It is, but it isn't, right? It's not a natural phenomenon. It is, but it isn't. It's something so much more than that. If we see it right in the context of the Power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So seeing parenting from this high perspective, from this high spiritual vantage point, um, at the heart of the gospel, it's necessary for you in, in um, moving forward in the fullness of all God has for you in parenting. Because you cannot create and you cannot experience what you cannot see, right? Um, you cannot create what you can't see. I remember um, I was talking with an artist one day, and I said, Shh, I cannot draw. I can't draw a cat sitting backward on a fence, you know, those little ones with the tail. I said, that's the that's extent of my drawing. She said, that's not true. She said, the fact is you can't see. You can draw. You can't see. And she said, if you can see, you can draw. So think about that in terms of your parenting. I look at so many parents and I think, you could be such an outstanding parent. You just can't see who you are in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you don't know who God is to you as a parent or the high potential that your child is born with. Right? And if you can't see that, you can't get there. So I want to try and cast vision for you. So hang with me as I do this. It might seem like a fire hose. I get accused of that all the time. I can't wow. tell you. I go, did you talk to them? Because they use that same word. <laughs> okay. No, you both think I'm a fire hose that you have to drink from? <laughs> OK, get used to it, because that's what I got, right? <laughs> so, um, so let's let's put parenting in the context of the gospel now. The gospel story is really a love story between the father and his children. That's what it is. At the very essence, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a love story about a father and his children. The prophets of old revealed God with pages of names. I mean, I have them in a little, you know, praying through the names of God, right? You go, wow, shoot, a lot of names, a lot of names here, right? So the prophets of old, had, had revealed God with all of these names. Um, but Jesus, Jesus, who God tells us is the exact representation of the Father, exact representation of God, came and revealed God as Father. So all the other names of God, the pages and pages of names of God, are all contained and summarized in the name Father. All right? Jesus said, I and the Father are one. John 10, 3. He didn't mean they were the same being. He meant they have the same purpose and they have the same character. Hold on to that. And Jesus prays in John 17, that we would be one with the Father and the Son, the Father in Jesus, Jesus in us. That's our primary identity. Created in the image of God, that's our primary identity as Father. Think about that. Now please understand, when I'm talking about Father, when I'm talking about fathering, I'm not doing this gender or thing, right? I'm just going to say what what the word says and you adjust, right? We're not just going to make the whole world adjust to how you want to get called. This is Let's let God be God, okay? So, understand that when I say fathering, when I say father, that overarching reality includes mother-father, because that's who God is, alright? The parent heart of God, father is the parent heart of God expressed Male and female, Genesis, right? God expressing his identity, the image of God, male and female. So women, when I talk about fathering, that's you. That's mothering. That's you expressing the father heart of God through the feminine. Fathers, when I talk about fathering, that's you expressing the father heart of God through maleness. Are we okay? All right. So there's no father without children. The word father means nothing if it isn't in the context of father means children. You don't have children, you don't have a father, right? So the very definition of father is one who fathers a child. So for God to design the deepest, most comprehensive revelation of himself as father That means the focus of his being is towards children, is towards his children. If his, if his culminating identity is father, then his culminating focus is children. Okay? Think about this. The father created the world. All the creative energy of God, as Father, all that energy that created the world, all that vision, all that was aimed at creating a world for the purpose, the sole purpose, of prospering and sustaining life in his child, in his children. So picture it, you know, this big V, it's like, here's Godness, right, focus right on the prospering and nurturing life in children to the point that you create a whole universe with the oxygen levels, with gravity, with with um, you know the, how the human body works, with everything about life, light and dark and photosynthesis and all of that. Everything magnificent is created. All that is focused on child, prospering life for child. You are his child, right? Created in his image. So, the deepest (coughs) meaning in your life as an image bearer is to reveal God as Father through how you live your life. You love your child with an everlasting. Pure love. Because you bear the image of Father God. That's the only reason. The heart of the Father is love. God is love. Father is love. You love because you're made in the image of love. You carry the image of love. You reveal the image of love. So as love, the father's deepest desire and consuming focus is to share his glory with his children, to impart wisdom for life, to empower greatness, as he defines it, to bring those children into the experience of being one with him by making them able to bear and love children through their own lives, with the fullness of heart, his heart and his intent. See how he, how he closes the circle? The father's holy and replicates himself and his children so that they can in turn be capable of loving passionately as he does and capable of experiencing the joy of creating life that involves sacrifice, Nurture, impartation, fruitfulness, and and full life as he defines it. God's goal as father is to bring his children up into the heart and mind of fatherhood. To replicate the ongoing legacy of life. I hope your mind is kind of, you know, grabbing this and kind of going, what about me, what about me, what about me, <laughs> right? I want you to be thinking, you know, you're going to have to ponder this for quite a while. Um, but 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 start going, what do I fit in all this? What about, you know, what does this mean about me? All right. Let me just put a parenthesis in here. Um, I want to talk just a second about adults who, who don't bear children, physical children, right? Because somebody's going to be listening to this that, that that's the case, Right? They don't bear their own children. Not bearing physical children in no way negates being made in the image of Father and revealing that image fully in life. It doesn't negate it at all. God says the childless, in the scriptures, he says the childless, physical childless, are gonna bear countless children. I mean, above and beyond the children anybody could ever bear physically, right? Not even in the ballpark, the level of spiritual children, um, you know, born through people, God's children who carry the father heart. Right? So it doesn't negate it at all that you don't have physical children. It puts you in a a category to say, now you're like, father big time, you know, way beyond what anybody could do in the physical realm, right? Fathering is a spiritual reality. Hold on to that. Fathering is a spiritual reality that carries in that, that is carried in our being and it's released through our lives if we allow it to be. If we allow it to be. So um, at the center of the gospel is fathering. That's our identity as redeemed children. So Jesus, God's beloved Son, the firstborn among many, was sent to earth to reveal God as Father, and as Christ is in this world, so are we. Know that verse? Mm -hmm. As Christ is in this world, so are we. Huh. We are sent here in this world to reveal Father. I want what I'm sharing here to draw you into some some soul searching. There's nothing, there was nothing haphazard or random about the birth of Jesus. He was born, God says, at the fullness of time, at the appointed hour. It was not anything random. Life is absolutely sacred to the Father. Most of you may think um, that you planned your 2.5 children that are here or to come. (laughs) You might think you did that. You can go on thinking that. (laughs) 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 Um, There's nothing random about the birth of these children, there's nothing random about it at all. Um, You might say, you know, it was your planning. I'm not saying your planning is irrelevant, but almost saying, (laughs) God the Father says, you plan your way, but he orders your steps. So your child was appointed by Father God to be born for such a time as this, and that should put an amazing state of awe in your heart. Charlotte Mason, this woman that I'm going to be quoting, off and on um, during our times together, Um, she she, um, has this quote, she said, the wonder that almighty God can endure so far to leave the very making of an immortal being in the hands of human parents is only matched by the wonder that human parents can accept this divine trust with hardly a thought of its significance. You get what she's saying? Can you you read that again? Yeah. (laughs) The wonder that God Almighty can endure so far to leave the very making of an immortal being in the hands of human parents is only matched by the wonder that human parents can accept this divine trust with hardly a thought of significance. The vast majority of parents will spend more time researching what car to buy than learning how to parent. What house to buy in what neighborhood and what whatever's, you know, what job to take, what state you want to live in that gives you the economic edge to be able to get ahead and, you know, whatever. I mean, all of that energy put there, and yet the wonder and awe of going, who is this sacred being that God has birthed through our loin, birthed through our body in, in a supernatural way? I dare you to create life. You know? sit here and go, okay, baby, come. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it can happen, right? It is a it is a gift. God is a giver of breath, God is a giver of life, right? So read the lineage of Jesus, for example. Read the lineage of Jesus. Every one of those people in that lineage was born on the earth for such a time. Now, their lives looked so random. You know you know your Bible, and you start going, that person's in the lineage of Jesus? Ho, ho, ho. You know?
1: <laughs>
0: and so you've got murderers, and you've got prostitutes, and you have incest and hatred and thievery and jealousy. I mean, you just name it, right? It's just incredible. What a random-looking bunch of people. But zoom out from God's high perspective and get that high view, and you can see that each one of those individuals was appointed to carry the seed of the Savior. Each one was appointed by God for such a time. Everybody at the human level thinks they're they're in charge and they're pulling it all off. Ain't so, right? And such is the state with you and your children. So please know there is nothing casual about the birth and the existence of your children. Not inside the gospel, there's not. And there should be nothing casual about your stewardship of their lives and your desire to equip yourself in Christ to steward the life, the sacred life of this child. As your life is sacred, as every life. Is sacred every child life is sacred. I remember when we had um, our first child, and I was I was offered a a master's degree in speech and language pathology. Oh, I didn't tell you about me. Mm -hmm. I'll do that later. Okay, I'll weave it in as we go along. (laughs) 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 Um, So I I was offered um, um, a really good situation to come into a doctoral program. You know where I could come up with a doctorate and and had the potential of maybe running a clinic, you know, I mean it was all just exhilarating and challenging and you know, all of that. And I remember talking it over with my husband and thinking about thinking about it and and God met me and met with me. And I don't know how you feel about my talking like that, but I'm gonna tell you what's real to me. I mean God talks to me, I feel like I hear, you know, and I can say, This is what I think God said to me, right? So, this is what I heard God say to me. You're excited about this job, getting a a doctorate and running this clinic, and that's wonderful, that's okay, but I need to tell you that there are countless people on this earth that could do that job better than you. (laughs) You are not the only being on the face of the earth that could do that job. But, I heard God say, look at that son of yours. In all of time, space, and history, you are the only being who has ever birthed to be the mother of this child. That is the unique factor of your life, and you'll never have any other unique factor like that. Anything else in your life, somebody could do and probably better than you. I don't care if you're the head of Apple. I don't care if you're you know, kings and princes and rulers and whatever. Somebody's going to come along, displace you, and probably do it better. And if it goes worse, it'll get better soon, right? So so it, it's replaceable. Anything else you do is replaceable by someone else, except this one incredible privilege that God gives you to steward a, a life of a sacred, you know, a, a, a life that, that God sees as a sacred being. That's your one unique factor. Your one unique factor. Now let me put a parenthesis in here, because I know there's, there's some of you in this room, and also and some that will be listening, about adoptive parents. When I say that one unique factor,
1: right?
0: get your head around this. I believe the Bible confirms that adoption is a supernatural transaction in the heavenly realms. It is a supernatural reality. It's not just a natural phenomenon in in God's kingdom. First of all, we are adopted by God. And we become bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. We are his children. Right? There's a supernatural unity. That, you know, that just crosses all, human human issue drops and the spiritual reality kicks in, right? And if you look at, for example, um, the, the Bible tracing the lineage of Jesus again, the Bible traces the lineage of Jesus in one route through Joseph, who was the adopted father of Jesus. Right? How does that happen? Where God actually says, hey, we're tracing the lineage of Jesus through this adoptive father. Get your head around that one. Right? When you start to think about, am I a second class parent? I lost my unique factor because I didn't have my own children. You adopt children, they are blood of your blood and bones of your bones in the spirit realm. Alright? Okay. Um, you might have spiritual gifts that can reveal God as healer, as comforter, as um, teacher, as miracle worker. You know, God has His spiritual gifts. You may have all that, but again, it's not the unique factor. It's not your unique factor. There's no higher revelation of God that you are called to reveal on earth, then the pure nature of God is Father. And remember, I'm meaning that father-mother slash. Okay. All right, so now let's turn our focus for a minute to the unique life um, that exists because of you. Let's, let's look at your child. This unique life that God has by his hand birthed into the world for such a time as this. One life. One child is sacred to Father God. And if that one life, if just that one life was all that existed on the earth and fell from grace, Jesus, God himself, Jesus would have come and paid the price and sacrificed everything in love to redeem that one child. We think he did it For me, I would have done it for one sacred life. We are created in the image of God, who is the shepherd who leaves the ninety-nine, you know, and goes to find the one. Our Father places a value on one child above everything else. He honestly can look at one child and and one person, and say, you're my son, you're my daughter, right? You can look at the one, you're my son, and say, you are my absolute favorite, and everything I do is for you, and all my blessing is for you, and all my heart is for you. And then he can turn and say, and you're my daughter, and you are my favorite, and everything I do is for you, and my whole heart is for you, right? He can say that to every single individual in the Father heart of God, Because of the value of one human life. And he says that without guile. It's absolutely true. Right? I remember when our second son, I was pregnant with our second son. And I was just so in love with our first son. And part of me was afraid of going, am I I not going to be able to love my second son the way I love you? You know, my first son. And then your second son comes and and you're saying, but you're my favorite to the first one. And then the second one comes and goes, go, but you're my favorite. And it's not detracting anything from the other child at all. You're absolutely honest. How can you do that? I know parents who don't do that. I know secondary parents who don't do that. You're my favorite. I'm like, you're the black sheep of the family. You know, you can leave anytime you want. would miss you an inch, right? I mean, there are families who exist like that, right? You've got family, not in the father heart of God, not us, you know, we the absolute fullness of father heart to give to each child without any, any guile at all. So that's the heart of the father you carry. For the one child, the one child in your eyes is worth all your love and all your sacrifice and all your focus as your unique calling factor on this earth. That's a mind-bender. Think about your career, think about your goals, think about all your deep desires, ponder, ponder, ponder what I'm saying. The father says of each and every child, I catch your every tear in a bottle. He says, I know your every thought. I know when you rise up. I know when you sit down. I know what you're going to say before you're even going to say it. What you think before you're even going to think it. I know you intimately. That word know is is the word for intercourse. It's like complete, you know, complete intimate knowing, right? He intimately knows each child before they are ever conceived in time and space. This includes you as his child, your child as his child. He tenderly sympathetically knows each child and nurtures each child accordingly. So how does that fact, that level of intimate knowing and consistent love by Father make you feel? When you know, when you get a revelation of how you you, 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 somehow Holy Spirit goes, can I just explode Psalm 139 in your brain? You know what it means to be known like that? by Father God, and he loves you. It's not like he knows you and you have to hide in shame or fear his rejection. You are known and loved and embraced and empowered and lifted up into your greatness, right? That's how your child is supposed to feel in your love. You are father to that child. Your child is worthy of your knowing and loving him or her intimately, and you can't do that unless you're with them. That's kind of a no-brainer, okay? And you need to be with them a lot, and you need to be with them intentionally in all of life's different circumstances—here a little, there a little, line by line, inch by inch. Right? The knowing, the loving, the the being for not against, all of that, right? Father God is presence-driven. He's presence-motivated, right? Presence, capital P, presence. That's his identity. So everything about the Father Heart of God values being with his children and his children being present to him. That is a core value of Father God. So let's lay aside, once and for all, this busy, distracted parent's mantra of quality time far surpasses quantity time. Bullpucky. Mm -hmm. I can tell you quality time doesn't happen in isolation. It happens serendipitously in the midst of quantity time. And if you're not doing the quantity time, you're not going to have the Quality time, because quality time is not something you manufacture. It's something that comes together in an instant, in a moment, in an experience, okay? So, Father God sees one child as being worth his best time, his best time. Your child is worth your best time. Not the dregs of your distracted and fatigued time. Will you be tired as a parent? Yes. Parenting is demanding. It's physically demanding. Yes, exhaustion is a word we can use. Yes, fatigue is a word we can use. But there's, an, uh, there's exhaustion for the right reasons that you go, it's good to fall in bed exhausted. This is a good day being fathered. And then there's a bad exhaustion that goes, you know, you weren't on track, you weren't you know, in the center of God's will for all of that, and you're exhausted. Choose your exhaustion. You know, I'm going to be exhausted about the right things, not the wrong things, right? So, Father God thinks you're worthy of his best time. Father God sees the nurturing of one child's life to maturity in spirit, soul, and body as of immeasurable worth. Discipleship. Think about the value of one life from God's, Father God's point of view. He says, I sought, this is in Ezekiel, I sought for one man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Get your head around how God views the value of one life. One life. What about at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, where one righteous person would have stayed God's hand of judgment? Father God sees the child he has placed in your stewardship as one who is redeemed, seated with Christ in heavenly places, as one who overcomes the world in Christ who carries the message of the gospel to the world in word and deed, and who's critical to bringing in the kingdom of God on earth, the one, the one child that's in your care. Think about this when you stand, you sneak into your kid's room at night and they're sleeping, you go, best time, they're in bed. (laughs) sleeping, right? So you're in there, you're quiet, you go, this is the joy of looking at this. <laughs> <laughs> this is this cute little one all tucked yes, into so those terrible. covers. Think about this God's, God's awesome view of the one, the one, the one Jesus who saved the world, the one man who could stand in the gap, the one man, Billy Graham, who could bring millions of people to the Lord. The one, the one, the one. The one. I remember hearing a quote from um, Billy Graham's mother. And they interviewed her and said, you know, tell us about your life. She said, I I didn't do anything significant except Billy Graham. (laughs) 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 Right? Your your child's life has the power to turn the course of history. That's who you've got in your care. A one who has the power to turn the course of history not because they're even destined to be a ruler in high places, but because of the righteousness they walk in, that you know as a parent how to empower. How to empower. Charlotte Mason has this this quote, and I I, I never quite get it right, but I actually have it on the back of my business cards. (laughs) But essentially what she's saying is, every potential for good in a child developed into a power. That's you know I go whoa put that my goal as a fa- as father my goal as father mother every potential for good in the life of the child I steward developed into a power whoo I like that one. <laughs> Father God has a much much higher view of your child than you probably do at this point if you viewed the value of your child's life like this. Would it be worth taking the time to diligently learn to be a godly, skilled parent, discipler, mm-hmm. even what we might call an anointed parent? Yeah. We talk about anointed for business. I don't know what circles you hang out, but there's a <laughs> group of people that Ed Soboso, they talk. He's got a book called Anointed for Business, you know, Kingdom Business, all of that. Go, hey, anointed for parenting. Father God is the giver of life. Your child was called and appointed to live on the earth for such a time as this. And as a parent to your child, you walk in the purpose and character of Father God. You are the intimate revelation of the Father to your child. Think about that. Now, we're going to be talking about self-control, developing self-control in your child. We're going to be talking about um, a habit is worth 10 natures. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things of, of how your child, how you're going to um, help your child develop the, the brain um, capacity, the brain wiring for righteous thinking and righteous behavior and good choices and self control, all of that. But you know what? You're very naive if you think you don't have to be on the same track. Right? You're going to be able to be. You're to, as you're working with your child to develop these habits of thinking and behaviors and attitudes and all. You are on the same track. You're just bigger, older, farther down the line. You should have learned it earlier, right? You're going to be working on your anger issues. You're going to be working on your impatience issues. You're going to be working on your, you know, your low view of parenting issues. You're going to be working on your habits. You're going to be working on all this stuff. Along with how you're working with it with your child, or isn't going to work. Isn't going to work, right? All right, I have a question for you. Just what if, just what if entering into the heart of Father God and walking in his ways as a parent is the highest form of intimacy that you can experience with God on earth? that's his identity, you're made in his image, and you're made to be one with him, how do you do that without entering into the fullness of his heart, which is as Father? What if, just what if, entering into that heart of Father God, walking in his ways as Father, is the highest form of intimacy that you can experience with God on this earth? Whoa. Whoa! I'm just asking. Just what if? How would that change your view of parenting? How would that comfort you in your exhaustion? How would that bring peace to you on the rough days? How would that energize you and sustain you? How would it change what you think about? what you spend your energy pursuing, what you value and bend your life to accomplish, what you establish as your personal short- and long-term goals. How would that impact it? You would go for the gold. Now remember, I started out saying the high view of parenting must be seen in the context of the gospel of Jesus Christ. At the heart of that gospel is fathering and... Thank God, grace. (laughs) What an incredible word. If it was just fathering and it wasn't, the gospel wasn't grace, we're done for. I I have two pictures I want to plant in your mind about this. So I have my, I do, um, I have uh, my little granddaughters who live here, little Maddie and Ellie, and then my little grandson, Declan, who just turned three, and uh, so Ellie is um, three, so you have to be four in just a very short time. And so we, and Maddie's turned five. So I do, on Thursdays, I call it grammar school. I'm there I'm there one morning a week preschool. Right? <laughs> we have so much fun. So this one day, we were just playing around, and um, we started making up sort of a play, right? And then it just took on a life of its own, I thought, let us back this down, right? So we're just doing we're we're playing around with this play, and then they're saying, "Oh, Grandma, we need to do this for our moms and dads. So we need tickets and we need oh. a set, and, you know, all this stuff." So here, I mean, in my you can't walk through my hall because I've got this folded up huge refrigerator box that was made into a castle, you know, because the whole thing was about a king and a queen and over the wind <laughs> in the forest, and so I've got that, and it's got you know, they they painted the trees and the you know the trunk and all this. She's like, oh, the bones, stole the gold. and You know, it just went on with this whole thing. I thought, oh, poor right. right? But there's this one part in the scene where my the little queen, Queen Sally, they named her. That's Ellie. She's Queen Sally. She's in this little red robe, you know, her little crown hat. <coughs> and so the over has stolen the gold. And she's going, oh, she's so dramatic. ah, oh, whoa. It's me. (laughs) These are her lines. She's memorized them. I am undone. (laughs) She says, "I faint," and she falls on the ground like like just like a wet noodle. You know, I mean, (laughs) can't stop. It just gets hysterics I faint. And what is required of you, you are perfectly justified in going, whoa, it's me. Yeah. I am undone. I yeah. faint. You know? yeah. <laughs> Let's go come on. Incredible. This is not possible, right? I have one more image to put in your mind. So watch, I'm we're not big TV people. I raised our kids. No TV. <laughs> we didn't have a TV in our house. I recommend it. <laughs> so we did a lot of other great things. So, but anyway, I saw this movie, It's some stupid kid movie that about this this, base, this kid baseball player, and he's and he's just a wimpy kid, but he, a whole scenario, he goes to play baseball, and he ends up having this bionic arm. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you <laughs> seen it? <him? laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> 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 yeah. So anyway. He's got this bionic arm, right? And so he goes to he goes to throw this ball. He goes to pitch, yeah. and it just, it's like he just moves his arm. This is and a movie. This is a movie. Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Is <laughs> oh, it Rookie of the Year? Oh, you've all seen it? Oh, that's so great. I love that. One. So anyway, yeah, so he throws that ball, right? So all he does is move his arm. But all the power, there's power. He doesn't even know where the power is that gets released. But there is a supernatural power that like shoots that ball beyond anything human, right? Keep that image. One more image. With my little preschool kid my, my, my grandkids, right? And I was talking to them about, about letting Jesus live his life through them. And so I showed my one granddaughter a picture, the outline of a pretty elaborate big frog, right? And I said, Honey, I'd like you to draw this. And she went, huh. You know, like could we start with a circle? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so I said, you know, I'll help you. We'll do it together. So here's the example of a frog over here. Here's a blank piece of paper. And so I said, you hold the pencil. So she has the pencil, and I said, I'm going to put my hand right here. And I said, what your job is, you just relax and you just kneel. And so I said, and now I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go this way. Every once in a while, she tightened up. I go, can't do it. You gotta just be loose. You gotta just yield, right? And then, shush. and then, so here's this frog that looks just like this frog. She's gone. Oh, I drew that. I said yes. We did. We did that together. We did that together. But how did you do that? Because you yielded, and another hand came and moved. You. Gave you the power to move. Gave you the sight to see where you were going. You know, did that for you with you. Couldn't have done it without you. Needed your arm. Needed your yieldedness. You know, and I said that's what it is to have God inside of you living your life, right? So we're we're building on big concept for little tiny kids, but you know, we're building on that. But I just commend that to you big kids. Right? If you get the concept of grace, unless you unless you get that concept of grace, you're undone. You're undone. You're gonna have to go to to a much lower level of parenting if you don't have a concept of grace. But all power and authority was given to the Son. The Father's in the Son. He's in you. You're in Him. As a parent, never forget the reality that you are indwelled by the very Spirit of God Himself, Holy Spirit. You are a bionic parent. Right? You are a bionic parent. You yield. You move your arm And there is power that you have to parent that pre-believers don't have. You are supernatural. You are more supernatural than natural. If you believe the gospel, if you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you must know you are more supernatural in your being than you are natural. Walk around thinking like that instead of, I can't do this. I am so tired. Why doesn't every Why doesn't Grandma come and take the kids?
1: You know, you know.
0: You're walking around like that. You walk around and declare, "I am bionic, Mom." You know, you're so you're walking around in the gospel. You are saying, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." With my God, I can leap over a wall and bend a bow of bronze and run upon a troop. You know, you're you're like talking your bionic self and connecting with supernatural inside of you. The word of God abides in you. The word is dunamis power. The word of power we're gonna do, we're gonna do a whole thing on, on if you're not knowing how to abide in the word, the word abide in you, and wield the word as the sword of the Spirit on behalf of your life and your children and your family. You are like so handicapped, you're roadkill in this life. I mean it, seriously. That's the greatest skill that you can get. A high view of parenting know who god is know who you are know who your child is know what the provision is and the supernatural nature by which you're doing the supernatural job right and know how to release the word because god says when you release the word that word will not he says my word will not return void i hover over my word to perform it my word will accomplish what i sent it forth to do you can release the power of that where the word in your mouth is as powerful as the word that came forth from God's mouth. You can call into being things that are not as though they are by the word of God, right? That's faith that doesn't disappoint. That's the substance of things that you can't see. So Jesus says to you, all that the Father has in mind, therefore I said that he, Holy Spirit, will take what's mine, which is all that the Father has. All? Did he really say all that the Father has is mine? I read it. I think we should believe it. All that the Father has is mine. Now, Holy Spirit dwells in you as parent. And he says, all that the Father has is mine is now being told to you. Being given to you. All power and authority being given to you. Your power to father your children is inside the flow of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, got a little bit more here if you can hang in. You live out your parenting inside a completely different kingdom from parents who aren't in Christ yet. That's why you're hungry for a tribe. You don't even know really why you're hungry for a tribe. But you sense it. You know your people. You know your people and you go, hey, if we're really walking in the identity of God as parents, we are a supernatural tribe and we're going to be stronger together than we are apart right? Because you go down, you forget who you are, <laughs> thinks I needed that, right? <laughs> somebody, somebody in your tribe is going to come along and wake you up and go, okay, come out of that stupor, right? Because who are you, right? Who is God? You have a kingdom of God, vision for your parenting. You have a kingdom of God, grace and provision. Grace is power, supernatural power to be what God has for you to be and to do what God has for you to do. The fact is, you are more supernatural, I told you, than you are a natural parent, and grace is walking in power that's not your own. It's walking beyond your human capabilities. You can walk around your house and go, I have power beyond my human capabilities. Try doing that, you know, before you have your cup of coffee.
1: Yeah. <laughs> to yourself up,
0: right? <laughs> so some people equate grace, some people equate grace with a release from having to do the hard things, for release from having to press into the high calling of Jesus Christ. So grace is, I can actually be kind of a shoddy parent and not feel guilty about it because I'm under grace. not, that is not grace. Grace is the power to rise up into the fullness of all that God has for you to be and all that God has for you to do and he gives you the power to do it. Like the bionic arm, like the hand drawing the frog, right? Jesus said, I and the Father are always working. How did Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons? He didn't do it in his natural self. He is natural self infused with supernatural self, just like us, natural being infused with supernatural God, right? Um, And he did that with his yoke, the, the Father's yoke being easy. That's where he gets that. The yoke is easy. The burden is light, like drawing the frog. You know, Just yield. Just know that the power of God is there for you, right? Just make yourself available as a parent. Um, be where you're supposed to be, and that's with your children, please, please. Um, care about what you're supposed to care about. Yield to God. As He called you to yield. All right, that's why your intimacy with God, your oneness with Him and His Word, is absolutely essential. It's absolutely critical for successful parenting. So part of what we're going to be doing here is I'm going to try and and you know feed your spirit. I'm going to try and strengthen you spiritually, and that spiritual strengthening also needs to pour over into your marriage. You cannot father outside of the context of male female unity it will it will be broken right strong marriage leads to strong fathering right? okay final sentence fathering is a sacred and holy job that you are given by the father of all fathers and with it, he gives you the resources, all, all, hold him to his word. He said, put me in remembrance of my word. You say, God, I am coming undone today. You have said, all the resources of heaven are mine to do what it is you've called me to do. And I just thank you, fill me up, fill me up with the power of the Holy Spirit that I can love and I can laugh in the midst of what seems like crazy town, You know, that I am strong and I am above it and I've overcome. And, you know, you you work it. You work it by yielding, by opening, by coming into agreement. So much of what I'm going to be doing with you is helping you come into agreement with the Word and releasing the Word over yourself, over your families, over your children. You can't do it without it. Otherwise, it will be absolutely nothing but technique. You know? So let's pray. And then I have, I'm going to give you about minutes, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. Father, um, this has been big stuff. Big stuff, Lord. And um, true truth, Lord, as one of our mentors would say, true truth about the Gospel and, a, and how parenting is at the heart of the Gospel. Lord, these precious parents, Holy Spirit you are the one who reveals truth who takes it from knowledge which puffs up to wisdom which bears fruit and fruit that lasts which brings transformation which brings heaven to earth so I'm asking you now to rise up inside of each of these parents and eat everybody who I mean, listens to this rise up now Holy Spirit inside of them with revelation confirm what is true Bring out of what's been said what transforms these parents into the image of Father. Transforms them, conforms them to Jesus who revealed the image of Father. Lord, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, you are the one who helps them meditate, who helps them ponder talk about meditate being kind of mumbling, mumbling. It's a good thing to be mumbling these truths under your breath instead of, I'm so exhausted. How do I get into this? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So God, bless them. Bless them big with revelation and transformation. Let this be the foundation of great things for their children, for their families, for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. I'm going to give you just a little exercise to do. Here, if you all have hands, I've got some here. Just pass around these. Um, and take a few of that uh, Just small. It's just the real Okay, So now I'm going to give you about 10 minutes. We'll see. When, you all, when I see, you can't stop writing. But I, what I want you to do is write down out of this. Just ask ask Holy Spirit. What do you want to touch me with? What's the main thing you want me to carry away? What's the, What's the... transforming thought. What's the hook here for me? What's the application here for me? However you want to word a question to yourself. But do just a little bit of personal processing on that 3x5 card. Write down what you're thinking and feeling and what you think God is saying to you. Okay? And then after that we'll take a a break. Um, so, we'll move on to, to, um, to some parenting brainstorming. I know you want to go away with those tangible kinds of things. So, um, but let's, let's first, I don't know if any of you wrote anything down that you'd be willing to read to us. Um, I read to all the time, so I just. I just told you. It's like playing it. <laughs> <laughs> like like so silky so mm-hmm. I don't even care if <laughs> well it kind of goes right. Thank you. Um, okay, so, so anyone who. Uh, we don't have to, just the invitation. <coughs> there's something down there that, that you could share with us that you wrote.
1: big time into my parenting, Mm -hmm. so I need, with God's help, some work to do, Um, Mm -hmm. and spending time with Him, and readjusting my Mm -hmm. And there, I just
0: want to comment on that, because we can get under this as, as parents with young children. We go, okay, I've got this incredible list of things to do that is impossible to get done, and now... I've got to be spending this peaceful, quiet time. Quiet time with God. Is that going to be at midnight? But then the baby starts to cry. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be at six in the morning? Because if I get up at 6 i I going to get up at four six. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and no, so <laughs> then you're just feeling guilty and all. And I remember, um, I remember, you know, times when I would say to God, "You don't understand. I need a break. I need peace and quiet. I'm a bit of a recluse." I need alone time, <laughs> right? I need, I need, to get away! Something, right? And at and, and that season of my life. And uh, and I remember that every time I would pray that, they would get, things would just go crazier. You know, the kids' needs would be more, somebody would get the flu, then you're, you know, into that because you passed around for three months. And, you know, they're yes. just going, well, three months ago I was saying I needed a break, and now I'm like, roadkill! You know, <laughs> talking with God. And I really felt like the Lord just said to me, you're asking for the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. You're asking for a thing that's just going to, it's not going to happen, and it's not even what you need. What you need to ask me for is the ability to be refreshed in the middle of the marathon. Mm -hmm. The supernatural ability to be refreshed when you're changing the diaper, when you're nursing at two in the morning." when you're getting everybody in the car, when you're making it to the doctor's appointment, when the dinner is burning because you're stopping the kids from, you know, going, supposed to be teaching you the habit of peace. (laughs) No, (laughs) right? right? (laughs) Uh, So you know, all those things are things that we're gonna battle, but I felt like God had said to me, Ask me for the for this, and I can give you this, the supernatural grace to be refreshed in the midst. Of the doing, because and every once in a while, you'll get alone, and that'll be okay. But you won't be desperately crying out, you know, moaning every day, going, "Unless I get this time, I'm coming undone." Because you you know how it's like the the image that God gave me was when they developed airplanes that could refuel in flight. That's it. That's my image. That's my image, man. Refueling in flight. And so the more you are. Um, full of the Word of God. That's why God says, I want you to abide in the Word and the Word to abide in you, because then the Holy Spirit can just refresh you with that Word. He'll just call it to your mind, the exact Word that's going to give you peace, that's going to give you strength, it's going to give you the wisdom for what needs to be done with your children. right? So, in that regard, I just never wasted a lot of time, random time, thank God, without the television and all of that, so you could listen. You can be doing something with your children and listening to the Word. You know, just So you're listening to it. John 6, 16, 15, 16, 17. You, know, you can listen to it in the car, doing your dusting, you know, napping, kids are napping, you're making dinner, listening, Right, just like suck up the Word. Suck up the Word, and that's a big part of your fuel and flight. But if you take, say to yourself, "I gotta have time between six and six you're gonna resent your kids because they're gonna be up at five o'clock. They will, and then you just have one more reason to be. <laughs> yeah. So you might get you might get that time, but don't make that your source. You'd ask God to help you feel in flight. <laughs> Anybody
2: else?
1: Um, actually, it's funny because we I had a similar thing. I just. Said I. I need to. I don't value my relationship with the father as I should, and so that I'm not going to
0: give that to my children if if I don't you know value it, you know myself. So yeah. you know if I want to teach them how to value you know because he's he's their father as well. So I, I want to be able to be that vessel to teach them that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know what things we'll get to in terms of parenting. But, um, the, Specific things that come up in conversation. It all depends on where you guys want to go and what draws, yeah. what, what we're talking about, what comes out. But this whole idea of, of you are, um, you are the context. You are the. I don't, know, I don't want to say that's too distant. You, you are the one in your child's life who teaches them what to value and what to love. Mm-hmm. Oh. Your life, who you are how you spend your time, where you spend your money, <coughs> what you think about, what you talk about, all of those things teaches your children what to value and what to love. And uh, it's a good thing for your, I used to, I used to, uh, I found myself a time, I was down on my knees, I would do that, I'd be doing my, my kids and uh, and thinking, ah, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing, and, it's not going well or whatever and so I would just run off into my room and fall on my knees in my bedroom and and I heard this beat coming you know and, and started to open the door and I and I hopped up you know like and I thought what yeah, are you I doing yeah. why did I hop up you know sort of like I didn't want to be embarrassed to having my kids see me on my knees and I thought never again am I hopping up right so my kids would come and walk in and they'd start to walk and they'd start to talk and they'd back out Know, 'Cause there's mom on her knees. You know? there's mom on the floor with her Bible out, you know, seeking God and, and just loving God, and just hopping up and you know, maybe it's two minutes worth, maybe it's five minutes worth, but, but that was the culture of the home to go, Hey, you know, that's what we do here. So okay, ponder all of that again. This 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 will be available for you to listen to because it's it's so countercultural, so countercultural. So ask God for the revelation. All right, let's move into a time now talking about um, that. Just we're going to get into the practicalities. So every time there's not going to be this level or this extent of content every time, it's gonna, it's gonna vary. I'll, there'll always be a time when I'll be giving you some principles, I'll be giving you some thoughts, but a good, at least half of our time together is gonna just be what's going on in your homes, what are you trying to work on, we'll bring in principles, we'll work in the one we just talked about and refer to some others that we'll talk about later kind of thing. So let me just tell you the kinds of things that were covered in past series, all right? So this high view of parenting is, is always it. Um, uh, there, there's a statement that's a principle that you don't parent by what you can tolerate. That's a huge principle, and I'll, and I'll talk about why. Um, the importance of having a working philosophy of, of parenting, so you're not just open to any and everything that comes along the pike. Sounds good. I and mean, I, I heard a, um, a parent, a, a, I guess she, she would call herself you know, a parent coach. And, um, and I, really, I draw from her a lot. She's, you know, she's great. But even with me, I would say, you know, I'll, I'll share things with you. If it resonates with the Word and the Spirit and all of that, great, take it. If not, we pray this in our house all the time, you know, hey, if what I said is, a God, take that. If it's not, just let it fall through the sin and walk away, right? So this, this um, uh, parent's teacher, you know, had said, okay, for you to, for handling your anger problems, If you've got an anger problem, this is what you do. You tell your children, Mommy is angry all the time. You know, I just, and I know I lash out at anger at you. I don't want to do that, so I need your help. And you know how, I don't recommend this on any front, but you know how we put a star chart up here for when you do the right thing, you get a star? Well, I want you to help me, so I'm making a little chart for me. And if I get through the day without yelling at you, you can tell me I can put a star on my chart. And I'm going, I'm just horrified. <laughs> I'm going, do you know how many things that violates right there? I mean, and it's, and it's like worldwide tapes that are going out, right? <laughs> and I'm going, I just want to blip that part out with, I mean, oh my gosh, that's doing so many wrong things. So well-meaning, right? So we're all going to come up with a bunch of well-meaning, some well-meaning things that you're you're going to have to evaluate. For, I don't care who you're listening to, me and everyone else, right? But you need a philosophy of parenting that my it's my philosophy of parenting that says to me, I would never choose that as a tool in my toolbox, <laughs> and I can tell you why because it violates this part of my philosophy, this part of my philosophy, and this part of my philosophy. Okay? All right. We're talking about virtues and character. It's probably where we'll go next time, uh, and the building of foundations of. of Biblical virtue and character in children, um, the power of God that He gave you in the Word to open heaven over your children's lives. And we're going to be talking about training. This is this. If you get nothing else from this, in terms of tools, training, pre-training, and redo, and you're going to hear it forever. It's your it's your lifeline in parenting. Um, you're not going to occupy or manage children. You're going to train them at all times, right? We'll talk about that. Habit is ten natures. That's another thing we will focus on for sure. Um, the, the distortion of, I, I guess, I don't know how to put it. The idea of self-esteem versus identity. There's no self-esteem listed in the Bible. It talks about identity. Right. There's a big difference. One serves you well. Building the identity of your child, working on self-esteem, is like a bucket with a hole in it. Um, From my perspective, we're going to be talking about why God designed childhood to be so short, and everything else, you know, the maturity level to be long, and why that matters and determines a big portion of what you do and why you do it. Um, We can talk about. we talked about you know value, how you teach your children what to value, what to love, self-control being the foundation for all character development, yours and your children's. Right? Um, we can do that in the context of meal times, which is something I really, really I, I focus on for sure because it's so important. Bedtime, daily routines, playing with siblings, in the car traveling, playing with peers. Um, TV screen issues, you know, going to doctor's appointments, family responsibilities, out in public visiting. How do you serve at hood um, as a precursor to building leadership in your child? Right? Attention, attention, being the absolute foundation for all learning, habit of learning. Um, the issue of strife in the home inside of the, the human soul, of your child, and yours. I mean, we we can just go. Right. So, we're not going to handle all these things, we only have three hours, six times, right, together. But we can cover a lot, and you can also bring in whatever you want in your phone your phone time. So I highly, you, I'm just offering that opportunity in the phone times, you don't have to take them, but I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let me, let me just turn to one practical thing here, and, and then we'll jump right into the plan. Your, all your questions. Um, one of you had asked me about donating to LLE and one of the things I said was I don't charge for any of this. I mean I, I have a you know a board that was saying gotta figure out how to monetize this, you have all these tapes, you have this other and I and I just I just it, it just sucked the, the joy out of it for me. I said, I, I can't, you know, do I need money yet? Do I need money? I do we all need money, right? Just whatever. But it's not to monetize. God just said, freely you've been given, freely give. And that is a principle of the kingdom that I think he highly blesses. So freely you are being given. I mean, I had, you know, a person who she's actually a life coach for um, for executives, and she said, Do you know what this would go for? All this personal time, you know, your home, your space, your you know, the networking, the personal calls, the, you know, all of the preparation, all of this. She said, you know what this would go for? I said, I want to hear. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. But I I want to commend to you the principle of the kingdom, which is freely given, freely give. Those you freely give to will freely give. That's what God blesses. That's what he blesses, right? So I'm not against anybody making money or, or bringing in money. I mean so I started a nonprofit. You know, it's called lead out education. There's a flyer over there that just it, it just tells the mechanics of one part of it. This is part of lead-out education. Lead-out education is something God put on my heart when he said, you know, from birth to 18, you know, from con- con- from conception to 18. Um, I want to take the family education lesson. And I'll talk to you more about that, that little picture over there, kingdom by kingdom come. I'll talk to you about that another time I can develop the subject. But, but lead-out education now has this. It's offering this parenting. Um, I have this group, there's another group that meets next Saturday that is the that's part two. It's people who've taken part one and they're going on to part two, and we're in that group, we are doing these foundational things, you know, making sure that it becomes second nature to us and how we parent. They're forming a very strong tribe with each other. And um, and we're talking now, moving into the heart of eldership and parenting, which is now I just don't care about my children. I care about com- the community. I care about the children in the nation. Mm-hmm. I care about the children in the world. Right? But in your sphere of influence, and so we're talking about cultural and social issues that are your children are going to have to live in a world you've never had to live in. It changes so fast. Mm-hmm. How are you going to walk as an elder, not just for your children, to prepare them when their friend Sally says, "Now I'm Herman," you know, yeah. next door? What are you, you going to do with that one? I never had to live that, Did you have to live that? You're getting there, right? So your children are going to be there for sure, right? So all the cultural issues, right? We're just going to be going to be moving towards those, not just how you're going to help your child learn to maneuver successfully in Christ through those things, but how are you going to help the children of this nation do that? And, ch- and Christians are called to lead and not be the followers. We're the initiators, not the responders. If something is broken, we fix it. If something doesn't exist, we create it. That's who we are. That's the gospel, right? So when it comes to the children, and I look at the public education system, you know, which has its, maybe there's a good thought behind this, and there's a good thought behind that, but it is not serving the children well. And um, I think it has much, much, much to be, we can do so much better. And um, so, what Lead Out Education has done is to establish this vision to say for parents who need to work, we saying, you know, how can you stay home? My first choice would be for all of you to homeschool. Share my story. I we homeschooled our kids from birth up to college. And they, you know, our three older sons um, graduated, our fourth son was born with Down syndrome. And so the the graduate from high school thing is not an issue, but still homeschooled, and he is the most outstanding individual. If, he, if you get to be the friend of our son, Ryan, you are a blessed person. He's just an amazing individual. So um, homeschooling them, I would say, if you can do it, hey, I'll, I'll be a coach. I'll be your cheerleader. I'll, you know, I'll, That's what I want to do with these moms, you know, kind of in that big game group, is to get you inspired. But if you cannot, Go on with that, or you're not called to it, or you're just for whatever reason you can't do it. Then I think Christians need to lead in the education, and and the way we can do that is a long story behind it. But the way we can do that is utilize homes. We can't run a school, we can't run a business, we get shut down, zoning issues, all of that. But people, moms and dads, can file their own private school affidavits. So like we did, you're legal homeschoolers in the state of California. We help you form co-ops, or what we call a learning co-op. Maybe there's five families or six families that all have third, fourth graders, or fifth graders, or second graders, or something, right? We help you get together, form a, a non-legally binding contract, but binding in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. as to how you're going to relate to each other, how you're going to do it, whose home is, are you using, whose the backup home, you know, all those kinds of things. You get that done with our help, and then you come to us and you say, hey, we can't teach our own children, we have to work. You know, we, we're out of the hall, we can't do it, will you give us a teacher? And Lead Out Education hires teachers, trains them in Charlotte Mason, there's her name, Charlotte Mason's approach to education, which is outstanding. And those teach trained teachers will come in to that hall with those six families and educate those children. But it is a family education, this is like, you get you move into education, it's not, here's my kid, do this. It's like you're not being charged for this education. Um, the families would be paying for their, um, their supplies and all of that. But there is no direct money going from parents to, t- to teachers' salaries. We'd be running a business. We're not running a business, right? So lead-out education pays for the salaries of teachers. They go into these homes, but freely you have been given, freely give. Mm-hmm. These parents will be getting a $12,000 private mentor education. Six children, mm-hmm. it's home education, I mean, it's, it has, you can't tell the value of it, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the vetting process of who we help is not, can you pay for it? like the monetary thing of of private education has always been run on a business model, which is, can you pay? Can you pay tuition or can we figure out how to scholarship you, right? I just don't think that model has worked. Christian education is dying like a dinosaur. I just go, God doesn't intend for it to be on a financial model. We need to get that off the table. We need to work on a kingdom model, which is free to your given, free to give. And we take money um, and turn it into seed. I'll just I'll just go on with this for a second, so I'll finish it up. I may have to hit again. But the idea is, in the kingdom of this world, (coughs) we work on a currency. That currency is dollars for us. It's Deutschmarks in Germany. Whatever, right? Every nation has its currency. There's a currency. If I'm going to go from America and I'm going to go to Germany, I am going to have to um, convert my money from dollars to Deutschmarks to do business. Think about that with the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven. If you take your money and you say, But I live, I have a citizenship in both kingdoms, right? I can function here in the maternal world, got a body, I can do that, right? And I'm a kingdom, I I am a member and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So, what I do with my money that I earn here is like, it's like you send it home, or whatever you want to take the analogy. But you take that money like Jesus did at the feeding of the 5,000. How how is he able to take that bread and have that bread feed everybody with leftover? Because when he does this and holds it up to the Father, he goes, Father, convert this material resource into seed. Because seed is the currency of the kingdom of God. Read it everywhere. Seed is the kingdom of the currency of God. So you want provision that won't end? Convert your currency. Convert your resource to seed. You do that supernaturally. You do it through prayer. You do it through dedication and commitment. And so you take. So within, this is my model for lead out education. You might think it's crazy, and we'll see if it works. I don't know. But my model is not tuition and scholarship. My model is seed time seed, convert your so what I'm asking for like for a child to be educated um, let's say third grade when they finally start you know a, a full day before then it's not but let's say a full day um, so to, to have that child the teacher salary be paid to help that child it takes about 20 what I call legacy builders you know those who are investors who will invest just And a missionary model, the same way that you'd invest in a child in Nicaragua. You know, and here's Juan Perez, and I'm putting him through school, and I'm giving him his meals or, you know, whatever, for $50 a month through whatever, right? Now we do that missionary model, and we do that for the children of our nation in a way that says freely you're being given, freely give. So 20 legacy builders will give $50 a month, And that will pay for the education of your child, right? You just pay for the materials. Now, you can give into lead out education all you want, but that's not going to pay for the education of your child because that's a gift to you. What it is going to pay for is the gift of an education, a godly mentorship, an education for someone else's child. And I think God loves that. I think he loves it. It's so kingdom. It's so body of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And so the legacy builders, what I'm asking of legacy builders, is that just this simple little thing like humor me, is to take that $50 donation before you hit donate or before you mail in that check, and you just go, okay, Father, I'm asking you to convert these dollars to seed. If that's really true, would you do that? By the power of the Spirit, convert this to seed. Because think about an apple seed. Okay, think about how that bread fed the 5,000, right? It got converted into a different currency, a different realm, so that there was no limit. You put an apple seed in the ground, I put a dollar, I give you a dollar, I have a dollar less. I give you two dollars, I have two dollars less. I'm starting to think about this is not such a good deal. I give you five dollars, it's starting to hurt me, right? Because you get and I lose. That's the kingdom, the currency of this world, The currency of the kingdom is, I give you seed, right? You give me seed, we put that in the ground. Now I don't just have a seed, I have an apple tree with all those seeds. Now I don't just have an apple tree, I have an orchard. Now I don't just have an orchard, I've fed 5,000 with all that left over. Do you see what I'm saying? So I believe honestly that what God wants to do with the children of our nation is he wants to take them all. I heard very distinctly from him. I want my father's arms around all the children of the world. And people have said to me, "You can't take children in if the parent, you know, into this if the parents can pay." And I thought, I don't think I'm going to get asked by God when I see him. How shrewd were you <laughs> that you did not take the child to educate of a parent who could pay? Did you see their tax records? You know? And I, I thought, I don't think he's going to ask me. He's going to ask me. Did you take all the children? Why did you take all the children? I love all the children. The one, right? I love all the children. So I don't know any other, from me, from, you know, just me and God thinking this through and that kind of the team of people are. To me, I look at it and I go, I think this smacks the kingdom, and it's too worthy an idea not to try for the sake of the children, for what's happening to them. Um, I can tell you factually without... A shadow of of any challenge that seven to eight out of ten Christian children will not walk with God by their second year of college. That is confirmed in secular studies, religious studies, all the way along the line. That is a plague beyond any plague that has ever hit the earth. No plague that has, in the history of mankind, has ever taken out in that proportion life. And yet we keep doing the same thing with our children over and over and over and over again in the way that we raise them. So I'm going to give you a term. We raise chickens. We disciple children. Right? And children need to be discipled by godly, kingdom-minded people in that context and then loosed on the world to bring in the kingdom of God. We've got to take over education. And education is a life starting at birth. You're the primary educator. (coughs) And this kind of an outreach um, for education is just an extension of your family, your God, kingdom, family. So I say all that to say, I am asking you to give something. I'm not charging anything. But would you just give something every month? I don't care how much. Just plant it a seed. Convert it to seed before you give it to me. Or it won't be worth much. If you convert it to seed before you give it to lead out education, it will do a lot. You know, beyond what you can ask or think in terms of blessing children and uh, doing great, great things for the kingdom. So that's that's my thing on that flyer that's over there. And and uh, okay. Let's stop there and let's start asking questions. Who's got something where you go, I'm going to go home and I'm going to face this with my child before I count to three. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? Just start talking anywhere you want about, about behaviors that you need help with. I'm curious about what you said
2: earlier with the happy baby and his crankiness or just me being like the parent who can sort of in his crankiness
0: help him to be not so fussy or whatever. I mean, he's nine months old. He's nine months old. Yeah. Okay, so a nine-month-old baby who tends to cranky. Yes, because All he right. doesn't nap very well. Okay. All right, now first we have to say that's not why he's cranky. So I, I, I would just challenge that, and, I'm, and I'll say this again. Gonna, so I'll repeat things, right? Mm. Because that's how we learn. Um, well, first thing you want to do In in high view of parenting is take um, all the quote science around stages, times and appropriate things for times and ages, and just minimize them down to to just a bare glance in your concept. Um, There is no such thing in the child of God called the terrible twos. Some human being worked that name up, right? And is there a tendency for a child at a certain age to walk? Yes. Is there a tendency for a child at a certain age to talk? Yes. Is there a tendency a certain age to maybe have to be grappling with, is this mine or is this yours? Yes. That's not a stage. That's an issue. That's an issue that they learn to, to handle with grace, right? So, children, yes, when they're tired, well, they start to be, you know, yeah, if they're hanging off your arm, going ah, <laughs> you know, and their eyes are like glazed, and they, you know, they're falling asleep while you're holding them, you got a really, really tired baby. But I have heard so many times, over and over, oh, you're so fussy and demanding. Are you tired? And then you'll hear the child, <laughs> This is my granddaughter the other day. Just like she was starting to, you know, act in an inappropriate way, and she. I, I kind of approached it a little bit and she said, I'm just tired, Grandma. <laughs> I thought, <"I'm> not tired. You're <laughs> just saying that because everyone when you misbehave says, You're tired or you're hungry. You know, I must be hungry because I'm feeling really <laughs> nasty. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, we shouldn't even <clears throat> give our children that excuse, right? We shouldn't say to them, You're misbehaved. you must be tired. If you need a nap. Don't go there because it'll backfire. They'll use it on you. Yeah. <laughs> you need to just be, you know, hang in there with me because I'm tired. I get to do whatever I want, right? So here you have this little baby who doesn't have all that deep thought, but who's just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just um, you know, developing an increasing, maybe increasing um, tendency towards the whining or the demanding or the, is that, is that what we're dealing with? What you call Needing you, wanting you, all of that. Okay. So, this is hard to swallow, but it will serve you well. When you have a child who is moving in the wrong direction in their behavior, we call it misbehavior or whatever, inappropriate behavior, behavior we do not want, right? We have to look at it and say, yikes, I taught him to do that. Mm -hmm. That's hard, it's hard, it's hard. We don't want, you know, to look at a child who um, has bad behaviors, and we don't want to believe that we taught that to them. But the fact is, we taught that to him. So it really, really serves you to just swallow the pill fast, go, I taught that to him. If I Here's the good news. If I taught it to him, or we taught it to him, you know, then we can teach them something else, <laughs> Aha, right? We have the power of teaching. So what is the counter that we want? We don't want the whining, we don't want the needing. the up, 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 or the out, 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 out of the high chair, or the in, 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 in of the whatever, you know? Where if he's in, he wants out. If he's up, he wants down, kind of thing, right? So you've got some principles to work on here. And one is, um, sometimes that happens out uh, of, you look at it from different facets. Boredom, you know, has he got has he got toys that he's got things to do with? Probably that's the first thing you're thinking of. Do I just get him another toy or something? Maybe that works, maybe it doesn't work. But ultimately what you're looking to do is not to reinforce the neediness. Mm-hmm. So does he have problems in the high chair like um, demanding to get food, like he's, he's being demanding before you can get food on his high chair, or, you know, like, doesn't peacefully wait for food? Um, (laughs) I think he's
2: fun for the most part. I think it just, the naps is the big issue, and then, like,
0: Naps meaning he won't take a nap?
2: (coughs) Meaning, like, he needs a lot of assistance, like, either, like, holding or just, even if I let him cry it out, he'll just not nap. And then once we do get him to nap, without like assistance, then he only naps 30 minutes, and after that he just wakes up cranky.
0: Okay, and what does cranky look like the rest of that time? Um, just
2: like hanging on to me, wanting me to hold him, you know, just needing me around, not letting me do anything else, <laughs> just uh-huh. fussing and seeming like he would be happier So the fact is,
0: he doesn't want a nap longer, and his body's not calling him into a nap. Now we have, for example, all children are different. You're going to have one that like takes three-hour naps, and another one that takes twenty-minute power naps. And you go, I hardly got down the hall, and, and then they're awake. yah, you know, <laughs> their so your, your physiology is just different from one another. So. The fact is, is you have a child who, whose body's not calling them into sleep. Part of that might be how wired they are. You know, you know how hard it is to fall asleep when you just give them a major presentation at work or something, right? And you have that something going on where they don't where they don't nap. But the fact is, you're pro- he's probably not going to be a great napper, maybe ever, maybe for a long while. So if you if you so you have to really say. My life is just consigned to be really difficult because he won't nap, and it's the nap fault. Or you can say, let's take that off the table and just say, how do we help this child with his basic character and his basic personality, whether he's napping or not napping? Now you've got an option. Now you've got a door to walk through that doesn't consign you to just, God, I hope he naps by the time he's four. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so with that then... In the in the neediness and the whining and the wanting to be up and not leave you alone. There are ways to, to work with that where you just you don't want to be giving the child what you don't want to be reinforcing the negative behavior. You always want to be I'm not reinforcing that and also teaching another behavior. So if that child, for example, is trying to be needy, you can try to get down at their level, you can and I'll just throw out ideas, and you can say, that doesn't fit, this doesn't work, you know, I've tried that, been there, done that, all of that, right? But for, for the sake of everyone else. So you're going to get down on that child's level, and you're going to go, mommy's here, but I'm not going to pick you up now. I don't pick you up when you're whining, mm-hmm. right? Now, this is a child that may not be 18 months and not have the language for it. use very few words, but you use your keywords that are going to last you for a lot of years, right? Mm-hmm. So you just go up. No, not when you're whining. Mm-hmm. That's enough. Mm-hmm. That little kid's gonna pick that up fast, mm-hmm. right? Language-wise. And then you walk away, and that child is crying, and it hurts your heart. You're going it's again, abandonment issues, <laughs> right? But you walk away, and the moment he's quiet, yeah. and you can count to like five. One, two, and sometimes you go one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because you're one, two, three, four, five. There's my quiet little boy, What up, What up. So the only time that little boy gets up is when he broke his leg, you know,
1: (laughs) you don't pick him up.
0: Or in the normal course of life, he comes up when he's quiet and when he's invited. And you invite him up a lot when he's quiet and you don't pick him up at all when he's not. And it's so hard, It's so hard, especially if you're in a rush and you have to get out the door and all of that. So the bottom line with that, the pressures are it really, as much as is at all possible, you can't be under a lot of pressure with a schedule that has you having to say, well, here's one more exception where I have to pick you up because we just have to get out the door. Figure out how to not have to get out the door so fast in these training years, because pay me now or pay me later. You're going to be dealing with a whinier, more demanding kid who's bigger, faster, smarter, and everything, you know, if you if you can't deal with it now. So that's just one basic principle is he doesn't get up until one, two, three, four, five. There, and then the language with the bright face. There's my quiet boy, I would love to pick you up, right? And then you go dance around, mm-hmm. go play toys, right? Then you put him down. Now you've got the situation where you want to be able to get something done. You're either um, <coughs> how old? Nine months. Nine months. Okay. So there's there's a very little that he can actually do with you. But if you're at the sink, you know, nine months, even in one of those little contained things, he's not going to be there. We used to have play pens. I feel so sorry for you guys. We had play pens that were big play pens. Yeah, they were like little rooms. You know. <laughs> And they fold down, and you would stick it in the back of your car. Now you have these little tiny sleeper bag things, and I go, "Ooh, that's like putting a dog in a crate." <laughs> <laughs> what if it wants to be in there? Ours used to be like a little family room, mm-hmm. you know. But you can put it in your kitchen. I'm going. You mm-hmm. could make a fortune if someone wants to bring back playpens. <laughs> <laughs> and and, they, they, added, really and they added car seats. And they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so here we go. You know, if you have a place where they are actually from baby you know, comfortable where they can be and they're not wandering all around, you, you can do timing, but what you wanna do is not push the envelope. Again, you're in a training season with young children. Training takes time, it takes consistency, it takes forethought, it takes intentionality. So getting a child <coughs> accustomed to being in a contained space that will allow you some minutes, that's worth the time and effort, you know, to be able to put something fun in there, they go down and go, here's your little place to play, (laughs) you know, you can just be whatever it is that gets them delighted with that, and then very quickly before any I want to get out of here comes in their heart, whoop, they're out, right? right? And then you just keep doing a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer until you get your 10 minutes or your 15 minutes or, you know, whatever you need, and they're in some level of contained space that actually delights them, it's near you. You're not doing it far from you, it's near you, right? So you can be singing or humming or, you know, handing something, whatever. Um, Any blue, Take it farther that you need. I'm sorry? Take it farther that you need to help. (coughs) Well, because
2: I have two. So Isaac is three, Mm -hmm. and then it's managing Mm -hmm. the two of them. Yes. And... Feeling like I never really get any breaks between them
0: not napping at the same time. Yeah, but napping is huge. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, in that, again, he might not be a napper. Your three year old napped? Um, not consistently. <laughs> no, no okay. <laughs> okay. Now, three hours rest time. Yes.
2: Dedicated rest time.
0: Good. And does he move quietly with that? I mean, he's, he's cooperative with that. He takes his rest we down? We have him in his room, so he has no choice. Okay. Is he happy there? He seems content. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's not. It doesn't feel like a punishment to him. No. Okay. Well, so that's then, then. you're doing okay, okay. with that. Yeah. you get you get a break there. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, with a child, with if you have children. And like your little guy, you know, who's not a napper. You can do the private rest time with the older child, the three-year-old. But with the nine-month-old, it really means for this season, you need to figure out ways, and dads can help, you know, to get some refreshment for you. Mm-hmm. And and it may mean that it's, it's you know, the, the short and sweet of, I, I want a cup of tea, and ten minutes when dad comes home, my husband used to with four four boys, right? And we homeschooled oh uh. <laughs> yeah. So one naps, three don't. You know, the other one naps, the other three don't. <laughs> gone forever. And I had one. My second child did the power nap thing, and so you have you have one. It's about about It was hard. It's demanding. Body, and he didn't sleep through the night for a long time. Yeah. So, but. The idea of being able to have my husband used to drive home from work and he would um, stop his car about a block away mm-hmm. and he would wind down the windows and just kind of offload the day, mm-hmm. offload everything and go, <sighs> pray a little bit and then he goes, okay, I'm taking off this hat yep. and I'm putting <laughs> on right. the daddy. And then put me on daddy. And would come home. So maybe, even if I was like, you know, what was that what was that that gal who used to be those long dresses, oh, hello? Honey. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been in one of those moods. That was great, but most likely not. <laughs> and it was like, oh see these eyes. You know. and, and so he would have changed his you know, his, his hat to know, I need to come in and give my wife half an hour, or I need to be the one who's going to cook the dinner, or I need to be the one who's going to write. right. And it's just those years where, again, you're stronger together. I, people who single parent, mm-hmm. God help them. We all need to jump in and help single parents. But when you have each other, then you cover. And you see Daddy, you know, kind of had a hard day, and you go, this is not the time to ask for my half hour. Because Daddy needs his half hour, right? And you, and you it's, it's give and take in that state of your marriage, so it's a season where mm-hmm. health is really good. Mm-hmm. The main thing, though, is that you're working, as far as the parenting, you're working on the behaviors that are making life so unhappy for you. Mm-hmm. And you're eliminating those behaviors through wisdom and the tools you have. So just having a child who isn't going to be going hop, hop, ah, no, up, 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 up now, up now, you know, when you're trying to cook or something, mm-hmm. and that's broken, whoa, doesn't that make life a little better? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So, any of those areas, when we identify those behaviors, that's what I want you to be bringing in here, so that we can say, now, now try that, in that technique, and then you come back and you go, tried that, wasn't working, and we'll ask you a few questions, or in our private time of talking, right? And go, okay, nuance it this way, and, uh, okay. But for right now, that one principle of, he doesn't get picked up unless he's happy. And three seconds, five seconds of happy. And he's got it, and you'll start to eliminate the one and build the other. The happy child will be coming to you, going, Oh, mommy! And you go, Sure. Yeah.
2: That's really good. Um, you touched on the kind of the trade off between, you know, the uh, father and mother. How do you, because so much focus is on kids and just like how to give each other breaks, but how do you kind of work on ourselves? Like, um, yeah. being. Like, again, kind of like being unified, preempting a lot of things, making sure we have some type of, like, that we don't disintegrate when, okay.
0: when it comes time that stress is going. All right,
2: so I'm hearing a couple of things. I want to clarify what you're
0: mm-hmm. going after. So unified in terms of how you parent, unified in terms of what you're doing.
2: That That is certainly one.
0: Part of it. But yes. the other is you don't lose yourself. You don't lose... The, the, right. the sweetness of marriage.
2: That's right, and in mission. the the act of providing space for each other, still there's the chance of like unraveling. You know, at the time when you think <coughs> you're like, okay, we're putting in work, we're doing the right thing, give each other breaks, but then still there could be unraveling, and you're like, oh, there could have been something else that we're not, you know, mm-hmm. aware of. Or Define or, unraveling. Uh, I mean, you think you're giving me help in the way yes. that you think I need the help, but it doesn't help, and then I still come back and I'm like, it didn't help me, and <sighs> yeah. I'm frustrated yeah. and angry. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I give you whatever I give. <laughs> okay. like, so yeah. let me, did anyone tell the time? Yes. Uh, 11 11, 15, yeah, 11 what?
0: 53. Oh. 53. Oh, yeah. So, um, I wanted to, this, this, that I, I think most of you picked up, right? Did you get one of these? I have your names on so I know everybody got a copy of it. Anybody not get one of these? So, this is something new, and this is, as uh, Jesse um this is something I have not done in the past um, parenting series, but um, it was recommended to me by the, the last group, and just saying, you know, a month in between is so long, to it's like you know we come out we're walking in this week even when we're talking about let's say habit is worth ten inches, habits ten inches. And and then you walk out, but then by the end we get to the end of the month and you're going, are we doing anything different than we used to do? I mean we all just kind of like so it's like a bonsai tree. You know, you take the pressure off and go, and there we're just doing like the way we did before we ever walked in the door. So they were recommending something that that um and I'll try it in, in different ways, but you give me feedback and let me know if this is helpful. I don't need to do work. I don't need to do it if it's not helpful to you. Let's all just decide to be real and be helpful to each other, right? So what I did was I just gave something for every week between now and when we see you again. But one of these things now is um, something to work on your marriage. It's just something. If it's not. It's like a tiny little thing tiny little something, right? But one of the couples that um, is moving into the advanced parenting class has a real heart for marriages. And they have a gifting and a call. They have young kids, like three-year-old, nine-month-old, you know. But they have this this real, they have excellent communication with each other. They've been th- through thick and thin, if you heard their story right. And they came to me and said, and, and other, other of you guys' par- parents were coming and saying, but what about our marriage? You know, it's like all child-focused, and we're losing each other. You know, and, and that we don't want—we want to feel like we're going from glory to glory. That the scripture says, you know, the path of the righteous is like the dawn; it goes from glory to glory to glory until the fullness of the day. We feel like we are fading away into oblivion. You know, when it comes to us. So um, they were saying they—they they thought, you know, within this LOE format of family from birth and conception to 18. Where's the marriage element? Mm-hmm. So I am hoping that there will be something of a day-long retreat, of different um, you know, opportunities. To, it's, we're really conscious of that. So if any of you have ideas of things that you say, I'd ask this other group and said, well, what do you need that would strengthen your marriage? And there wasn't a lot of feedback from it. They're going, we need stronger marriage. We need it. What would help? You go, got me. But we need it. So, so try and think specifically. So that brings it back to here. Um, I used to drop my poor husband. You know, being married to me, he's had a life.
1: So um,
0: I used to like that. They used to do funny shows marriage shows on, on this kind of thing where the husband would say what do you need i don't know what can i do to help you i don't know you know <laughs> and, um, and this poor guy right but that's really a lot of how we are because we're out of touch with what we really do need or we think we need something and it's not really what we need so we've actually this poor guy is, or this woman you know whatever is is out of handicap because you've asked for something and it isn't even what you wanted or needed. I kind of gave it to you and you're still miserable. I don't know what to do, right? So, part of it is really being able in this season, there's not a lot of energy slack to say, I should know what she needs, <laughs> but I don't have a lot of time to think about it. And my guess is a background? <laughs> <laughs> So could you just, as married couples and as parents, just say, let's not play that game. That was okay (coughs) when we were engaged, and we had all the time (laughs) in the world. and life has changed, we can't be so sloppy with this. So I'm just gonna tell you what I really think I need, and if you say, honey, I don't think you need a back rub, I think maybe what we need is to talk about what happened this morning, and straighten that out, right? And then don't slap him. Just go, I'll consider that. (laughs) 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 Um, So you're going to have to grow, as your child needs to grow, you're going to have to grow in honest communication, Mm -hmm. forthright, clear communication. To be able, I and mean, you guys now have texting. I didn't have texting, you know? So, I just had to pray. God, I believe you can speak to my husband, sitting in his car, to know that when you walk through the door, it's not gonna be pretty. I'm <laughs> totally prepared, right? So, so, and now you've got texting and you go, hey, not a pretty picture here, and, you know, when you come in the door, doing my best, but if you've got anything to spare, I could use you. You know, I and mean, just that much, and then you go, I not know how much I have to spare, but I can do all things in try to I can leap over my children and bend them over on the children. And by the time you walk through the door, it's like, so I've <laughs> got <laughs> guard blind, right? <laughs> okay? So just try for that really honest communication. Don't make him guess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is what I need. And um, that, that will really help. It's, and it's kind. You were supposed to be kind. It's not kind to have expect people to help us when we're not honest with what help me.
2: Yeah, it probably goes both ways. I
0: think. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to identify a lot of times. It That's is hard, hard, hard to identify, and you can help each other. You, you know, you That's can help all. each other with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we um we didn't get a lot going here in terms of of the uh, dynamic of yeah. problem solving with children. We'll do more on your phone calls. Um, Those of you this month, you know, who up for that, and um, and then I promise you there'll be content that there'll be probably half the time we'll just brainstorm, Mm -hmm. we'll brainstorm work in principles,
1: yes I know we're trying to close, but before we close I was just wondering if you had any plans to set up like some kind of like a discussion group for everyone here to kind
2: of like just start threads on different topics that you would be able to read and Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So somewhere. so give me a channel. We could we could we could
0: create a Slack channel. <laughs> slack channel. Slack <laughs> like I'm thinking that Slack that is out on the trees.
1: <laughs> uh, don't know
2: where to mean. Oh, yeah. Uh, well the community questions? group uh yeah. uh Yahoo groups used to be use popular Google, 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 Google groups. groups. I don't know what it is. You
0: know. Well I'm I'm telling you, I I am Grandma on Techie. <laughs> but if somebody gets me on a group, I'll be there. You know, <laughs> but if you want me there. I this is what I want to say to you. Um, I had the opportunity to do a larger group that could not happen here, that would be more like in a big a bigger place, right? And I and I really people were exhorting me to do that, and I just thought. I can. will figure out a way to do an offsite something, where other people get to listen to this or content or whatever, and maybe a few phone calls. But I couldn't lose this because I've seen the fruitfulness of this. You guys together, all of us together. Um, this is the most, um, the most opportunity you have to be real in your struggles with absolutely no judgment. Everybody, there is no temptation taken to you as a mom or you as a dad that is not common to parenting. So you can be so real here, and everyone is going to be so sympathetic. Like, I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> we just do, right? So, but that can't happen in, the, in, a, in a larger group where it gets impersonal kind of thing. So, here, if there's other discussions that you want to get going, you want to initiate something. You guys have topics that you want to run on. Th- this is all like very living, organic here. I- I'm here for you. Draw from me what you want. If I feel you pulling, I'll give you what I have. If I say I don't have anything, then ask me for something else. But I do have. Um, but I need to tell you, if you make it into this room, you know now you're a visitor. Next week, you're family. And um, you come, we. We spend those times on the phone, we're talking with each other. Um, you win my heart, B, because you're here and you care and you're really longing to be the parents you want to be. So I am here for you. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. And that won't go away
1: when you're done. You're just in you know, right? <laughs> so a show of hands, how many people would be interested in a oh. discussion group? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think that would be awesome. I can set it up. I can awesome. set it up. All this techie guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go for that. And then, you know, you guys. Now, did you, did you exchange your little names? So oh, you're going to no, go no, try no, and no, contact
1: somebody no, who's not no, your very best friend. Here you go. Yes, Okay. Circle yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let me pray for you guys. Okay? Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are Father, we are children. We are your child, you're very, very special. Each one of us, God, the apple of your eye. I thank you, Lord, that you are not a high priest who does not um, know our stresses and and the demands upon our lives, but you are Father, and you know what it's like to father children who are not doing the right thing, time. None of that is beyond you. Look at what you have to do in fathering us. And you, all your your ways are beautiful and all your ways lead to life. So these parents who walk in your image. Father, I pray that they would go out of here um, a bit levitated of going, whoa, how is it that God trusts us with this sacred life that he has brought into the earth for such a time as this? and that, Lord, that they'll look at their children differently with reverence and awe, and that that will actually strengthen them, not burden them, because they realize, God, um, that your Holy Spirit is every power they need. Every bit of wisdom is available to them. Lord, I pray for these these um, sort of suggested directives, or whatever we want to call them, God, for this month, that we will be a part to together again, that, Lord, um Help them to just do that one simple thing each day, God, to stay focused, one simple thing, that's all, and, um, and let it be helpful and build into them. Um, thank you, Lord, for peace in their homes, um, that all their children, I declare in the name of Jesus, by the word of God, all their children will be taught of the Lord and name the name of Jesus great will be the peace of their children, that all of their children will be like mature plants in their youth. I thank you, Lord, for the blessing um, that is on these families, on these children. Strengthen them, um, refresh them, bless their marriages and keep them. Lord, even just the simple looks that can be exchanged could be like a whole dinner out. One look can be like a whole dinner out. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, God. Just um, refuel them in the air. In
1: Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. We're supposed uh, to try to get together.